we are so grateful that we know that the Lord hears us when we pray. And the worst thing that Satan can do to a Christian is to help us to be comfortable and to help us to feel like we've done enough or we're good enough. Uh, I want you to know that the Lord has called us into warfare. And if you are not experiencing any conflict in your life from the enemy, I want to suggest to you that you are MIA. You're missing in action. You are not going to heaven as a Christian without going through something. That's just not the way. It, I know what they say on TV and, and what, what the bishop said, but the word of God says, while we are in the world, we will have trials and tribulations. But be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. Amen. Now, as we continue the series of messages I've entitled Total Disclosure. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And when we have a biblical epigenosis, an experiential knowledge of the truth, not just an intellectual knowledge of the truth, he says, you shall be set free. On last week, we talked about identity theft stolen identity re rediscovered, and I, this is week, two weeks ago. Now, I want to finish that part as I said I would. This is part two. I am on assignment. This is not a sermon I want to preach. No, no. This is, this is hard work. Um, but I'm obedient to what the Holy Spirit says, and I know that this is a word that is needed. Like many... I have experienced recently an inordinate number of calls from individuals claiming to represent the IRS or a credit card company. The caller sounds the alarm by telling you that your social security number has been compromised or someone is using your credit card illegally, and then you're prompted to, if you want to take action to secure your credit card or your social security number, you are told to press one. Now, if you press the number, another person gets on the line. Sometimes I'm just curious. I don't want to see where this is going to go. One of the first things that they will ask you to do is to verify your social security number. The person waits for you to tell them your social security number. Distracted and unsuspecting, fearful people on the other line without thinking, if my number, credit card, or social security number is jeopardized or being misused, then the people that have caught it should obviously know my number. So that ought to tell you something, something's not right. And uh, it, it's usually about then I start proclaiming the good news. No, seriously, I'll say, don't call again. Don't call again. I'm going to report you, and I have. I have. 
Now, what I've just described to you is an attempt to steal your identity. Now, let me define uh, what I mean by identity theft. Identity theft is when someone steals your personal information and uses it without your permission. And I've seen this happen again and again on college campuses. Your roommate gets your credit card, maxes it out, and then all of a sudden the card is lost, and nobody knows, and the person who, who pretended to be you to get your money was none other than someone who learned your habits. Now, there are several forms of identity theft, and each one can affect you in different ways. The thief, the thief pretends that to be someone or something else that they really aren't. It's an illegal act, and in case you didn't know it, it's, it's a crime. It's a crime. Say it's a crime. Now, one of the most common ways to steal someone's identity is to hack into your cell phone. Most of us have anything that's important to know about us is we carry it every day. And we, we guard it with our lives. Now, some of us, I know uh, I don't want to bring any misfortune upon my brother Sumlar. He used to have to get a lot of cell phones. <laughs> but your cell phone is a very convenient uh, way of gaining personal information and having it being used in ways that are harmful to you. They, somebody can delete, can wipe out all of your, your credit, wreck your credit, uh, 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 pretend to you go on vacations at your expense and so forth. And of course, how many of you want your identity stolen? Raise your hand, come on out. Come on out. We'll, just, we'll just leave your cell phone at the end of the service and just pass it on to some uh, crooks. Now, if you discover that someone has stolen your identity and has impersonated you, most of us would be furious and we would press charges against the thief and want the full extent of the law to be executed. Life in prison, amen? No, not life in prison. But. Now, when you decide to be someone other than what God created you to be, you're guilty of conspiring with Satan in the sin of identity theft. Tell somebody, stick with the script. God has already written on the tablets of your DNA and mine, a code that identifies who we are in our quote unquote most authentic self. God has already determined that. And when I decide that I'm going to be something other than what God has already engrafted in my essential or basic nature, that's a form of identity theft. And the person who comes to steal and to kill that we might never experience the will of God for our lives is none other than Satan. It has become very popular today for people to 
have what are called gender reveals, or, or to say to pediatricians, when my child is born, you don't get to tell me if it's a male or a female. We will decide. And when you put yourself in a position where you are deciding on the identity of your child that God, the Bible says, children are a gift from the Lord and the fruit of wounds reward, you're stealing from God the identity that he has preordained for you. Somebody say amen. amen. Stick with the script. The script is already engrafted. The plumbing is there to prove it. Even a blind man can see. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, God, the creator of all things, gives Adam the, the crown of his creation. The Bible says that God has made man a little higher than the angels. He created him for his glory and his honor. In these verses, God gives Adam explicit instructions. He gives Adam a script. Now, we're going to come back to these verses, but the interesting thing that caught my attention, I've read that passage of Scripture moving into uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 19 through 23, and uh, moving into verse 20, and there was none found like Adam. And all I, could, all I would focus on, I didn't know why God put the animals in there first. Maybe God was trying to show Adam he had a need. But there's a bigger picture here. God gives Adam the authority and responsibility of naming the animals. But he does not tell Adam he has a right to determine their gender. He already determined that. He named the animals based on what God had already determined about the animals. One, that they were animals. Adam didn't decide on that. So let's run on a little bit more, okay? Can we run on? Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called them, each living creature, that is what its name was. So the man gave names to all of the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Now, from the outset, as it relates to true identity, here's what we discover. Here's what I want to share with you today, and I'm asking that you would pray as we go through this. Here's the first thing that we discover is that you don't get to choose what God has already decided. One of the, script, one of the things that God helped me with when it, when it, when regarding walking in authority, if you don't walk in the authority that God has given you, others will take it. But, and what God said to me, never ask permission for what I've already told you to do. <laughs> Just get to stepping. So in this, in this context, we don't get to choose what God has already decided. The script that God provides addresses the confusion about self-identity. The confusion is associated with what is meant by self-identity has led many to believe that we get to choose. We get to choose. Now, there are many components to what we call self-identity. 
Uh, it involves your faith, the, your skin color, uh, the job you have, the education, where you live, your language. Everything under the umbrella of culture is a part of who you are, what you drive. You know, that's your identity. That's, uh, that's kind of how you recognize when, you, when you're doing a, a background or medical history, all that's a part of helping the doctor understand who you are. Now, that is not the same thing as saying what you are. Okay, so there are characteristics that are distinctive about you that make you unique. But here's the most challenging way that people identify themselves today to the churches in, this two, in two areas. The first is a person's sexual orientation, sexuality. Say sexuality. sexuality. All right, well, don't duck. Yeah, sexuality. <laughs> uh, and secondly, a person's preferred gender identity, gender identity. Now, the confusion caused by the world's definition, it's caused by the world's definition. Here's the non-Christian, and the question in all of this is, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Do you know Christ? Because the Bible says, Jesus speaking to the multitudes, he says, why do you say with your mouth that I am Lord, and you do not do the things that I say? He said, Adds, he said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? This people draw near to me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me because they have replaced the commandments of God with the definitions or traditions of men. We're defining ourselves by man-made terms. Now, the, the non-biblical definition of sexuality and gender, I want to I walk my way through this. The world makes a distinction between your sexual preference and your gender. And I do believe that the, the Bible also, sexuality and what your gender is are not necessarily the same. But we need to be educated. What does the Bible say? My people perish for lack of wisdom. And we end up signing off on things and feeling guilty. And we don't want nobody to feel bad. God is love. God is also God of wrath. And I just want to ask you, if somebody decided to take your identity and, and rename what you have already named, you'd have a problem with that. Am I right about it? Now, here's how the secular educators explain the difference between sexuality and gender. Sexual orientation is about who you are attracted to and who you feel drawn to romantically, emotionally, and sexually. So, so now when we talk about sexuality, who attracts you? Are you attracted to the same sex or to the opposite sex? Or some people say, I'm not attracted to any sex or asexual. Or some people say, I'm attracted to everybody and even creeping things. Uh, because there are people involved in bestiality and, 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 and pedophilia. And we just haven't said that that's not okay yet, depending upon where you live. We're moving in that direction. And so sexual orientation is who you are attracted to and who you feel drawn to romantically, emotionally, and sexually. It is different from gender identity. 
Gender identity isn't about who you are attracted to, but about who you are, male or female or genderqueer. I talked, I was talking to my, I stopped going to the barber when he talked, oh, yeah, aren't you, don't you like, uh, what's the term he used? He said, I like, uh, per, he didn't call it perversion. He says, by, by curious. So he was talking about bisexualism, but he called it, we ain't gonna call it bisexual, that don't sound right. We're gonna call it uh, bi curious. I said, I wanted to say, get your hands on my hand. <laughs> now, 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 here's what I don't wanna do. Everybody in this room, we struggle with something. You got a withered arm somewhere. I just, you cover it well. The man who came into the temple in Mark chapter one, he had a withered hand that was under his cloak, but Jesus knew. He was broken. <laughs> I want you to know, I can't see what yours is. Yours may not be obvious, and, and, and what we're talking about today may seem like we're singling out a particular group, but all of us have sinned, and all of us fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out, because the way of transgression is hard for everybody. I don't know about you, but I've gotten old enough. I want to be blessed. I want the Lord, I want all the power. I want somebody, when I'm touching you and praying for you, I want nothing to hinder the power of God working through me because of mess in my life. Gender identity isn't about who you're attracted to, but who you are, male or female or genderqueer. According to this definition, you have the final decision about who you are. I get to decide. Doesn't matter what's on my birth certificate. It doesn't matter what the plumbing says. It doesn't matter. Even in Romans chapter 1, it says there's, there's a, what God has instilled in us instinctively is nature that says male or female. If you even do research and watch the way children develop, men, little boys and girls do different things, even when you don't teach them. In, we're instinctively wired by God to be different. The clarification of God's order and his absolute right to determine our essential identity for the Christian, for the person who is genuinely born again, is found in the Bible. Now, again, there are things in this word I do not want to do. I just don't. Because I want my flesh to be pleased. I don't want to forget people that do me wrong on purpose. I don't know about you. Now, I was trying to get hung up here, but man, somebody just stated the dude looking at me, staring at me, acting like I'm trying to break in somebody's house. I know I look dangerous and intimidating, and they got looking at me and staring in my car, and what you doing in my neighborhood? So I pull off, and then my flesh said, turn around. And I turned around, and I drove up on the brother, and I said, is there a problem? <laughs> I, I just read, said, my North Philly just kicked in. Is there a problem? And he said, well, you were parked. I said, is it illegal to park? And then he's trying to get his words out. He's done tongue-tied now. I would have said, now go find your teeth, because you don't have none in your mouth. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I thought it. 
I thought it. I said, dude, go somewhere. Find those lost teeth you missing. But we all know that if, you, if, if we genuinely say this is what governs our life. That's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved. A workman who what? Need not be ashamed what? Rightly. Dividing, cutting straight. The, the divine, he, God defines what his masterpiece is and should be named. His signature is on our souls. His image and likeness is born by every human being. He created us in his image and likeness, and we don't have time to jump into all that. But before you, your parents named you Nikita and Rashida and Kanita. God had given you a name, a name. Even in eternity past, when God decided there was a reason for you to come in the world, he had already registered your gender and your, the length of your days and the uniqueness of your characteristics. David said, before I was even formed in my mother's womb, you knew me. And then when conception occurred, you watched over me so nothing twisted could happen. Our parents simply gave us a name to match what God had already determined by physical features given by him. In Genesis chapter uh, 1, verses 24 through 25, again, God says, let us produce God created the, the creeping things and the flying things, and, 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 he, he, and he determined their species. And the Bible says, he made them after their own kind. And the Hebrew word for kind is M-I-N, mem, and we, when you transliterate it, it actually means mean, M-I-E-A. And the idea of kind, he said he made them after their own kind. God determined their species. Whether they would be a bird or a dog or a cat or a cow, the species. And then what God did according to their kind within the species, if you have, you may have a brown dog, a black dog, a tall dog, a little dog, but even though they're different variations in the same species that God had determined by creating them, they were still a part of that species that God had predetermined. Not only does God determine the species, but he determines the gender of the species that he makes. And we're all different, but the Bible says, let us make man in our own image. And God created man and woman, male and female, after their own kind. God determines the kind, the type. Somebody say amen. This has to do, as I've already said, in James chapter 3, verse 12, after the Lord has talked about the power of the tongue and how you can destroy somebody with the words that come out of your mouth. He said, can a fig tree produce olives? Now, that's a rhetorical question. Obviously, a fig tree will produce what? Figs, and an olive tree will produce? Because the nature the essential makeup of the seed determines what the seed will produce. You don't put an apple seed in the ground and come looking for peaches. 
And then I, it gets even deeper. I said, where do seeds come from? Guess what? Man doesn't make seeds. Now, we got genetic altering of seeds, but seeds originate with God. God is the one that determines this seed is going to be an apple, this will be an orange, this will be a peach. And so what happens is when God creates us, he implants through the man's semen, through the seed, he determines your nature, what you are capable of doing either to have a child or to, to produce a child. God determines that an olive tree doesn't produce figs, nor does a male produce or, or can declare itself or herself as genderqueer, neither or, either or, or none, God determines the nature of the seed. The originator puts the, the DNA coding in the seed. You don't have nothing to do with that. That's God's business. It's already done. All you got to do is plant the seed in the ground and let it grow the way it should. You just need to get out of the way. Don't be trying to do no genetic, genetic engineering. Because now you got a freak. Now you got, now you got, now you got genetic, whatever, I'm just trying to be nice here. Now you got something that never was intended. I don't want an apple looking like a, a coming out like a pear and an orange and all that coming out of one. I ain't eating that. God determines the essential character in the nature now, can you imagine, you want a pizza. You call your favorite Pizza Hut or Popeyes or wherever you get your pizza from. And you say, can I have a pizza, but I don't want any crust. You order a pizza, but you said no crust. How can you have a pizza without crust? Now, they'll say, do you want thin or thick? But you can't have pizza without crust. Now, you can choose the toppings. You can choose Rashida, Bonita, Kanita. You can choose the toppings. <laughs> but the essential thing that makes a pizza a pizza is the crust. And the person who determined that was the creator, the originator, yeah. a pizza. You don't get to say you had pizza because you had sauce and cheese. That ain't pizza. That sounds more like spaghetti or something. So we understand that somebody sent you, they, you just ordered pizza, you paid all this money for it, and all they sent you was, was sauce and cheese and slices and slices of pepperoni. You're going to head back there seeing triple-double, you know. Well, what do you mean? This ain't no pizza. Well, what do you mean it's not a pizza? I can decide for myself what a pizza is and what it is. No, by definition, a pizza got crust. Well, how do you know? Because when the pizza was originated... And the reason I get pizza is because it got crust. God determines. That's not our business. He lets us do like Adam did. He named the animals. He put the toppings on. But God had already predetermined. Somebody say amen. Now, I'm definitely not an artist, but I had to take the history of art, one of the best courses I've ever taken in, in, in college. 
I had to take it. Mad when I went in there. But this teacher, man, the thing that I learned. And so we had part of our assignment, we had to go to an art gallery. And as you're walking around the art gallery, everybody's looking at the same picture, and you hear buzz. Some say, I think he was thinking about, I think he meant this. And, and it's just fascinating to see how art affects different people different way. And, and, and then you can discuss the, the artwork. But the Mona Lisa is still the Mona Lisa. After everything is said and done, what the, what the picture is, what the painting actually is, is what the creator, what Rembrandt intended to be, that's what it is. Oh, we can talk about this size and that color and that shape, et cetera. That's fine. What did God really mean? And why does she look like him and doesn't look like me? But ultimately, what we are, the signature on our bodies, when Jesus, when the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, God gets determined to art, the, the, what, the, what the picture's called. Oh, no, that ain't the Mona Lisa. I really think that's a Malcolm X in disguise. And then I, 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 I see, that's your truth is, that's Mona Lisa. My truth is, there isn't your truth and my truth. There's simply the truth. And if you don't believe it, let me come out there and slap you in your face. I'm sorry. Do you remember that? And then I say, you say, why are you slapping me in my face? I said, I didn't slap you in the face. He said, what do you mean to slap me? Well, according to my truth, that was a hug. <laughs> but according to your truth, so whose truth is right? Well, we'll decide that after we get off the floor rumbling, because if you ever try that again, pain has a way of making you understand that truth isn't what you choose for it to be. If it feels good, do it. Okay. Go on and drive them somebody back somebody's car. It may feel good, but that doesn't make it right. Somebody say amen. We do not get to choose to decide what God has already decided. That's scripture. I want to be, I wanted to be taller. I used to put uh, stuff in my shoes to be taller. And, and it was a time when black wasn't beautiful. It was ugly. Blonde hair, blue eyes was pretty. And then James Brown said, I'm black and I'm proud. I said, okay, me too. <laughs> but the damage had already been done. God decided my height and my, 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 my color, my pigment and melanin. God decided that. We need to get to a place where we can look and see what God decided and say what he said. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm all right. Don't wait 30 and 40 years like I did. Teenage years, miserable, tense, palm sweating, feeling terrible about myself. Because I didn't know I was all right. I was all right. You are wonderfully made. You are peace from the master. You must decide to obey God's word, to fully experience his presence and plan for your life. If you want to realize your full potential, you can make decisions about what God has already decided in violation of his word, but you will not experience his presence and his plan for you. Look at, listen to what uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 says. And the Lord commanded the man, 
You are free to eat from any tree in a, a, a tree of, of knowledge. Uh, I'm sorry. You are, tree, you, are, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must what? You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will what? Surely die. That was the command. That's the first and only command. Now, God didn't say be fruitful and multiply, et cetera. Those also, you can't decide, I ain't have no baby. Anybody going to mess up my figure. And I'm married. I ain't have no sex. I don't like it. Well, then you're in sin because the Bible says do not defraud. Do, do benevolence. You wanted to be a nun, you should have committed to the vows of nunhood. Now, here are some things I want to say about the commands of God. For all of us who are wrestling in our private lives about whatever those areas may be, fear, doubt, insecurities, poor self-esteem, lust, pornography, here's some things you need to know about the commands of God. First of all, God's commands are not given to rob you of your freedom. Instead, they prove that you're free. The fact that you can choose to obey or disobey means that you're not a robot. Unlike all of God's creation, in Genesis and Psalm 19, said all of creation declares the glory of God. They don't have a choice. Only you and me can say no to God. The fact that you and I have a choice tells you that God is not robbing us of our freedom, but the command to choose to obey proves that you have freedom. You got freedom. Nobody going to beg you to come to church and to read your word and to commit it. You got freedom. But when you do, there's some consequences. And let me run on. God's commands are given to protect you from unnecessary consequences. The Lord says, the day that you eat of the tree that I said not to eat from, you shall surely die. There's a consequence. When you disobey this word, I'm going to be attracted to whoever I want to be attracted to. I am going to be, if I want to be a man or a woman or a queer or whatever, and that, 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 that's, a, that's a term of endearment. I'm, God says, the day that you eat, the day that you disobey me, you have initiated consequences. My mom used to say, don't do that, boy. I'm saying, what does she know? I'm, well, she, I'm, a, I'm young. She all, she all, she all, oh, she don't know what's happening out there. I can almost tell you without exception, whenever my mother warned me and gave a command and I violated, I suffered the consequences. There's a consequence when you disobey God. You will never experience his peace. And it, you, well, the people just don't like me and they don't accept me. No, you will only be accepted in the beloved when you're walking according to his will that he has predetermined. God's word, command, is given to protect you from consequence. God's commands challenge the validity of your faith. You can say you love God and you believe in God, but the, the, the truth of your belief is, will you obey the preceding word before you experience the promise of the word? When Jesus was tempted, 
while the devil, after he was hungry, he received the preceding word. He said, man shall not live by bread alone. That's a rhema word, an, a, a in the moment word, to deal with what you're going through right now. Faith says, I am not going to surrender to Satan, even though I don't see the bread. The way you know where you are in your faith is not how many Bible verses you can quote, how many tests you can pass, how many ministries you are on, how gifted you are on. How often do you obey God when it means putting to death your flesh? Before the angels came and ministered to Jesus, he had to resist the devil multiple times. That means that he had faith in the word. Do you believe the word? The evidence of your faith is your obedience. Faith without works is dead. Anybody can shout and hallelujah among Christians. But will you, will you live for Jesus away from the church? Will you say no to your flesh when your flesh disagrees with what the Bible says? When nobody else is looking and, and when you're struggling with your thoughts, will you take this word as David said, thy word have I hid in my heart so that what not just I can have the right answer. That I might not sin against you. God, you've been too good for me to break your heart. You, it's not about my wife. It's not about this is me and you. God's command must be obeyed to avoid sin. Each time we disobey God, it's a sin. Sin, here's what sin is. It's not the latest what, the, what Oprah or somebody said on TV. Sin is the breaking of God's law. It's a transgression. It's crossing over God's law. God says, go right, you go left. That's sin. Whenever you disobey the Bible, you are committing a sin. Amen. Somebody say amen. God, here's what God says about leaving and disobedience. And this is what, I don't want to go through the entire uh, section in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, where he says, he, he describes a lifestyle. He talks about homosexuality. He talks about womanizing. He talks about idolatry. He talks about fighting, etc. cetera. It's a whole list. And he says, such were some of you. But then he said, but now you have been washed. You have been redeemed. You have been given the wisdom of Christ. On the other side of the cross, you are different. So I can't say, well, I can't help it. This is the way God made me. Even if somehow the gene pool got a little messed up. And instead of being uh, a woman is XY chromosome, and man is, uh, was a woman is, man is XY, a woman is XX, and a woman gets an XSY, the Bible says if your tendency is towards something that is not a part of God's original plan, Jesus said, you must be, if, if this is the way you were born, then he said, you need to be born again so that you're not giving into the sins that violate the scriptures. Does that make sense? Now, I'm learning how to navigate on my phone. I watch YouTube downloads, et cetera. Thank you, sir. And, uh, and sometimes you're watching something that you're really interested in, 
and it starts fading in and out, fading in and out, fading in and out. Anybody ever experienced that or is that just me? Just my phone? No, every, we all have it's picked with picturing or fragmenting or whatever they call it. Now, when that happens, you don't take your $700 phone and say, slam it down on the concrete. All that means is that you've been disconnected from the server. Am I right about it? Once you get reconnected to the server, the picture that was fading in and out and blurry is now crystal clear. I want you to know when we are not walking in obedience to God, our service is interrupted. We don't see God clearly. We don't feel his presence the way that we ought to feel his presence. He is not making clear that doors are open. Mountains have already been leveled. Crooked ways have been made straight because there's interruption in the service. You need to be reconnected to the server. When you operate in obedience, you are connected to the server. Sin is disobedience to God's commandments. You're not disobeying me. That's why we, we, when somebody, you talk to, your, talk to your children or talk to people that you know, you tell them. We, the Bible says we should warn one another, confess our sins to one another. But ultimately, God is watching. You can't hide every contact. You can't hide any contacts from God. He hears every conversation. He knows every secret code you have on your computer. And the, whoever else you connect it with, he knows. And the Bible says that every idle word, we will give an account. But beyond that, it's not just, wait, well, when I get to heaven, maybe that's what will happen. But you don't have any peace now. If you, you don't have peace. You can't because one of the ministries of the Spirit of God, he says, he convicts us of unrighteousness. Yeah. Let me finish up. Amen. You can walk in victory in a Christless world when it comes to your identity. And that goes to how you feel about yourself. As you're getting older, I got to wear glasses all the time now. I got size, my 18 size print up in here. I got up the other day and my hip said, sit down. <laughs> sit down. And you know how you try to walk and act like you're all fluent, and it's just, you can't walk. It's like. And then I try to act like I'm kidding. Hey, <laughs> no, it hurts. I told my doctor about it. He said, guess what? I said, thank you, doctor. What's the, he said, it gets worse. Oh, man. What do you mean it gets worse? Here's how you can walk in victory. In the real areas of your life that you're struggling, here's what you have to do. When everybody is saying, be you, it's about you. You don't live for your kids. You don't work all your life. You ought to do you. Show me that verse in the Bible. Find it. The devil is a liar. Here's the first thing. Stand alone in Jesus' name. Anybody can give in to your flesh. 
Anybody can go along with the crowd. When God told Noah to build the ark, it had never rained. That man, that I'm going to say joker, that boy, he, they looked at the boy like he was crazy. He built that ark for 120 years, and he preached every day, it's going to rain. He did, it made no sense, but God said it, and for him, that settled it. Are you willing to stand alone, even against your own flesh, when your flesh is saying something that God's word does not say? Here's the second thing. Say no to sexual temptation of all kind. Say no. It's right on your phone. She, brothers don't have to chase women anymore. That's why I'm, I'm like I'm saying I'm the men in this church. Get ready to get married. Stop hurting women. I don't care how easy they are, how desperate they are, and they think that me too. Oh, no, ain't no me too. Man. If every time somebody looks at you, you laying down with them, me too don't have no spine. Me too don't have no character. Me too only complains when he ain't looking as good or he didn't commit to what he said he gonna do if he got what he got. Say no. When you are tempted, Joseph was in another man's wife's house. And she said, brother, you fine. For, for most men, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> but he refused. I've lost girlfriends because I never touched my girlfriend. I just didn't. I didn't think it was right. You know, I, I don't know why I wasn't even saved. I just didn't do it. I lost girlfriends for that. That's what boys and girls do. I didn't think you should. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, don't misunderstand now. <laughs> let, let's move on. <laughs> Stay away from me, sister. <laughs> Stay away from sinful triggers. The Bible says make no provision. There's some people that you need to break relationships with because they take you back to behaviors. Here's how that works. When you're hurting, you want to feel better. And what we do to feel better is go to emotional painkillers. Some people eat. Some people lay around and watch TV or whatever, or you end up going back to friends and addictions. Make no, there's some numbers that you need to delete from your phone. There's some people, when they call you, don't even answer the phone. There's some parties you just aren't going to go to. I don't care how good the chitlins are. You ain't going. I'm sorry, whatever, chicken veggie burgers. <laughs> Boy, they make some good veggie, you know, veggie burgers. No, don't go. Here's another one. See yourself from Christ's eyes. Here's what the Bible says. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities. You are complete. Your completeness is in him. It's in him. It's the final thing. Sometimes when a spirit won't leave you, you need professional help. 
and spiritual accountability partners. When I hear people say they're trying to overcome this or that, I say, well, what kind of support group are you part of? Oh, I don't go to no support. Well, then you're not trying to overcome. You're just talking. You're not trying to overcome. So when you find yourself struggling, you want to get over, you, you just can't get past what they did or what you saw. There's things that I saw that I should have never seen, and they're still in my mind. Sometimes you need professional help and you need spiritual accountability. Somebody who can say, did you do it again? Call me at 3 in the morning. Do you have those kind of people that you can pick up the phone and at 3 in the morning say, D. Elder Gray, you know. <laughs> Stick with the script. Stick with the script. Stick with God's script. He already has engrafted and coded in your DNA. There's a story I heard some time ago about a very rich man, multimillionaire. He saw a painting that was advertised. And when he saw it, he said, I got to have this. He was a collector of arts and artifacts. So he had one of his living servants. He said, I'm giving you an assignment. Cost is not an object. See this picture here? I've got to have it. And so for an entire year, the servant went all over the world trying to locate this picture. And then finally, at the end of the year, he came back and said, Master, what I discovered is that the picture had already been purchased, and the owner is anonymous. So months later, as the servant is going through the master's inventory, guess what he discovers? The picture that the millionaire was trying to buy and look for, he already had it. He owned it. What we're searching for is acceptance. We're searching for, love me. Treat me right. Don't look down on me. Don't hurt me. And so we go here, we go there, we go to relationships, we go to jobs, we get a degree, we earn more money. We, well, I live on top of the hill, I feel better. If I drive a better car, I feel better. And you still have that. But I want you to know, in him, you are complete in him. You are complete. And until you find your completeness in him, you're not ready for anybody else. Everything you have and need has already been freely given. Find your completeness in him. Let's pray.